Welcome to the Eat Out podcast, an extension of our Facebook communities, bringing together food lovers from all over Spain and beyond to share the best places to eat and drink. I'm Valentina, your host, and I cannot wait for you to listen to what I have in store. I hope you're not hungry. In this season's episodes, I will be talking to our community members and business owners in Madrid about who they are, why they have a passion for food, and how they are coping during the coronavirus outbreak and much more. I'd like to take a moment to recognize our patrons, Adolfo and Karen, who support the work of this growing community on a monthly basis. If you would like to become a patron, visit www.patreon.com forward slash eat out. On our final episode of season one, I'm joined by Margaret Sperling, founder of Walk and Eat Spain, a food tour company taking hungry visitors who come to the capital on handcrafted food tours. Find out why she loves Madrid markets and the market culture in Spain, how she transitioned from being a food tour guide to owning her own company, and why her neighborhood of Malasaña is so close to her heart. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm very good. The sun is out. And as people will know, if you've listened to the podcast in our previous episodes, I am a sun worshiper. Are you? <laughs> you know, I am and I'm not. It's really beautiful. This kind of early summer weather that's pretty warm and sunny, but it's not the crazy Madrid heat. But I love this weather. It's so beautiful outside and the sunsets are so spectacular these days. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I love watching the sunsets. not up in time for the sunrise is but oh no 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 <laughs> no let's not be crazy tell us a little bit about you and your business walk and eat spain my name is margaret and i am originally from the seattle area in the u.s and i've been in spain since 2007 i came to spain the first time in college and i studied abroad in granada in 2000 and i feel like as soon as i stepped off the plane spain kind of became my dream and the one thing that motivated me and so in 2007 i made the leap and i moved to madrid and i've always been super interested in food and so getting to live in Madrid has always been really amazing for me because, you know, the markets and the restaurants and it's so chill at the same time as traditional at the same time modern with the ingredients and the restaurants and the tapas bars and the old stuff and the new stuff. And I just, you know, from minute one, I was in love and I knew I wanted to work in food. I wasn't quite sure how to do that. And five, six years ago, I started working as a food tour guide with another great company here in Madrid. And I loved doing food tours. And about a year ago, I decided that I wanted to do something on my own. And I had the idea of launching Walk and Eat Spain, which was my idea for kind of showing off what I love most about Madrid and particularly my neighborhood. I live in the Malasaña Comeduque part of the city, and I really wanted to give people an opportunity to see what I loved most about Madrid and the little businesses, the markets, the family-run wine shops, all of these great places that if you don't know exactly where to go in Madrid, it can feel kind of big and overwhelming. But you know, if you have someone to take you and introduce you and tell you what and why you're eating, it gives something really special. So that's the idea behind Walk and Eat Spain. And it was going really great until everything kind of fell apart in early March. But I know that this is temporary and I know people love Spain. And so eventually when people can, they'll be back and we'll be waiting. I completely agree. And there's so many things that you mentioned in the introduction of, <laughs> I remember coming to Spain and as you say, you walk off the plane and you just know that this is a place that you want to be. And yeah, totally. Madrid in particular, being the capital city, it just has so much to offer. And in the previous podcast, me and Matt were talking about how Madrid is like all these little villages in one and every neighborhood has its own identity. 
And sometimes you don't even need to really leave that neighborhood because it has everything you need. And for a lot of people that may be listening who are not based in Madrid or visited Madrid and are looking to come in the future, it can be overwhelming to come to a capital city and not know what to do or where to go. And in particular, with Madrid being so heavy on the food and drink culture, you just walk and think, where do I eat now? And that was kind of the reason why I started Eat Out Madrid, because I wanted to know where the great places were. And I guess that stems on to you taking people to those places. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the things that's really incredible about Madrid and a lot of Spanish cities is that Spain has such a consistent food culture. And what I mean is there are the like canonic tapas dishes. There is the dishes that are served in bars and restaurants throughout Spain. Of course, there's vast regional differences in the specialties, but there's the tapas canon that when you go out, particularly here in Madrid, many places will have very similar things on the menu. And so you can walk down a street in Madrid and there will be 10 restaurants and they serve very similar dishes. And and two will be great, four will be eh, and three will be awful. I don't know if that added up to 10, but <laughs> that was my idea. So it's really hard to know. And so once you kind of get a sense of what you're looking for here in Madrid, which there's as many people as ideas about what you should be looking for. Um, I think we can all agree on avoiding places that have like pictures of food or you should walk in and it should smell like food. You want it to be good. You want the light to be like weird if you want traditional and soft <laughs> if you want modern. But there's certainly things to look for. But Madrid, like all Spanish cities, we so overwhelming exactly as you said Valentina to be like well what am I supposed to eat you know and particularly when we're on vacation you know you're like oh you can get like restaurant fatigue you're walking around you never know I mean I am a professional chooser of restaurants and I remember a couple of months ago before this all happened we were in Logroño up in the north of Spain and wound up eating just like a terrible lunch because we walked around and you know really hungry and finally we're like oh we're just going right here and my boyfriend was like it's your job to choose restaurant how could you have chosen a bad place and I was like well I'm hungry and no one told me where to go so with my food chores, you know, what I love to be able to do is to kind of give people a full vacation night, you know, where you don't have to think about anything. Everything is all taken care of, but also give people this sense of where to go, why to go and what to get there. And so that's one of the things that's really special about going on one of these local food tours is that you have this chance to spend time with a local expert and answer all of your questions. When we're traveling, so many things come up and you want to know everything about how do I order coffee? Where do I go? Do I just sit down in a restaurant or do I wait in line? Who do I talk to? Or the roofs are all the same color. Is there a rule about that? Or is that random coincidence? And while I certainly don't have all the answers, getting that chance to ask someone is so great, have it all taken care of, and then have someone tell you, this is the specialty to order now. This is what you should drink with it is really special. And also because Spanish cuisine is so seasonal. And so depending on when you're here, there's really different dishes that you should try. So if you're here in the spring, you have to eat anything that has an artichoke. You have to eat it. If you're here in the summer, you have to order gazpacho. But if you're here in the winter, maybe avoid gazpacho. So there's all of these little rules that when someone's with you, you have a chance to get that information and have a more profound experience in any of the places that you go to. I think a lot of it with travel planning and vacation planning, it can be very stressful. And the oh, last yeah. thing you want to do is get stressed over where you should go and eat. Totally. So to have somebody plan that out for you, take you to the places and really kind of cut out all those decisions and just really let you enjoy some of the best places in the city, for me, would just be the perfect thing when planning a vacation. Obviously, oh, yeah. there's lots of different types of tours you can do, but food is just so central to our lives. 
Oh, yeah. And I think for me, and I'm sure you, Valentina, when I go to new places, one of the most important things to me is like eat the food from that place. And food and travel are so connected. And for those of us who love food, going to a new city means trying whatever is the local cuisine. And it can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes when people come to Spain, there are a lot of ideas about what you're supposed to eat and kind of where you're supposed to get it. And that's available. But if you have a little bit more information, you can get even better stuff. And I've definitely done tours with people who have done all this research and show me a list in their phone of 25 restaurants that they discovered on food blogs and from recommendations. And I look at the list and I'm like, oh yeah, that's perfect, perfect, perfect. How'd you find that? Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yes, go twice. They did an amazing job. And then there's other people who show up and are like, we're hungry. (laughs) (laughs) That would be me. Yeah. And when I travel, I'm like definitely somewhere in the middle. It's really special to get to take people to my favorite places, to let people connect with the people who I know who work in the restaurant. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm sure because you've been to these restaurants time and time again, you've created a relationship Mm -hmm. with the owners and you can almost tell them that you're coming, you're bringing a group, however big or small, and they can really make that experience above and beyond for your clients that are choosing to come on the tours. I think that's really great. Oh yeah. And that's the thing is that my tours are all organized in advance. So when people book, then everything kind of goes into the motion. And I like to create that magical experience. So in all of the tours that I offer, everything is ordered in advance, everything is booked. And so it's a really wonderful special treatment in the very best sense of that word that the restaurateurs and market stand owners and folks who I work with are good friends, some before the tours and and certainly afterwards. And so they'll save us a special table, they'll come out and sit down and explain the wine. I do a market tour where one of the ham butchers cuts up the ham and puts it on a little paper. So it's waiting for us when we get there. So when we talk about ham, it's already cut and ready to go. And so there's all of these special treats of doing a food tour that you get access that it's not just about the someone is kind of telling you what to do. It's that you get to do these things that you would never get to do by yourself. It's a really special experience. Yeah, As you said, it's an experience. And I think that's something that we're craving a lot, not just now with the situation, but in general, people love to experience something that's different to what they would normally do, which would be just going to a restaurant, having a meal, and leaving. It's more personal. It leaves long-lasting memories with that person of their vacation, wherever they are in the world. And that's what makes food tours in particular and your food tours different to a lot of others in the city. Oh, yeah. And it's really wonderful. I like to think there's that Julia Child quote, which I never get right, but like good people are the people who like food or whatever it is. The people who sign up for food tours are wonderful. And it's such an amazing self-selected group of people. And I feel so privileged to get to meet people. And then to be that bridge between Spain and the visitors to Spain. Particularly if you don't speak Spanish, it can be a little bit harder to get all of the personalized attention and to get the backstory on everything. So on the tours, that extra element of giving context to the food, the story of where it comes from, the ingredient. I'm so obsessed with ingredients. And so there's all of the information about the cheeses that I serve, like where they're from, who they're made. I've met a lot of the cheesemakers who work with the bars that I go to. And so it's really these stories that give such a full picture of what you're eating, why it's special, and why I've chosen to include it in the experience. To me, that is more than the experience at that point. It's more than just you saying, Mm -hmm. okay, this is the plan. We're going to go here. But physically getting all this information and really coming up with really exciting ways for people to get really connected to the places and the owners is really something that I love. And I think a lot more people should really think about that, especially now that we're coming out of this situation, because most of the businesses have struggled, have been closed for however many weeks, and they're going to be looking for clients and customers. So I think it's a big opportunity to think how can we do things differently and exciting and grab the attention of people. 
Totally. And you know, honestly, before I started working as a tour guide, I did not think that I was a tour person. I was always like, oh yeah, I'm a smart person. I have the internet on my phone. I don't need that. And since I started doing tours, I've done tours now wherever I go. And it's so fun to get this totally different experience. There's so many fun, cool niche tours. Last summer in Portugal, we did a boat tour on a little river where the boat driver explained to us that you could see terraced vineyards from the boat and explained to us the history of the wine. And then we got to go see there was a beautiful waterfowl preserve. There's no way I would have found that without having booked this guy who I found on Instagram. I was like, who's near where we are? Who does something special? And exactly as you said, that it's something totally different. The buzzword of sustainable travel is so important right now. And thinking about how the money that we spend as tourists goes back into the local economy, thinking about visiting small family-run businesses, working with local guides, staying in responsible hotels, thinking about the whole experience of how can we contribute in a positive way to the place where we visit. And that's just super important to me. As well, and especially now with a lot of people who are looking at their finances and thinking, okay, where do I spend my money? Because I think a lot of people are thinking that they need to rejuggle where their money goes. And definitely for me, I've been over the last 12 weeks supporting the local businesses more so than I did before. Not because I didn't want to before, but I felt like I had more freedom before. And now I'm like, oh, this place down the road, it does this. I'm going to buy from here now. And I don't know why that never clicked in my head before but as much as this situation has not been great it's just created so many opportunities and given me light bulb moments to think about the future of the way I spend the way I eat and the way I travel yeah and I think we don't know when things are going to go back to any kind of normal normal so I think the best part of what we can do now in this kind of leaning into the uncertainty is supporting each other and I think that that's been exactly as you said like one of the most amazing parts about this kind of epically weird experience that we've all lived is connecting with old friends or connecting with neighbors or connecting with local businesses I remember the first day I went out a couple weeks after the confinement started when I was finally like okay well I have to go to the grocery store so I should go and seeing the lady who works in the fruit shop near my house it's like almost moved to tears that you kind of forget how important these people are in your life and we are all here supporting each other and each other means a lot of things in a lot of different contexts and particularly now with the internet each other means something bigger and so this idea that we can support our local businesses that we can make an extra effort that if before it was easier to like okay well I want this book I'm just gonna order it on Amazon because I don't have much time I do have more time now and so I can call around and find a local bookstore that has the book or instead of just being like oh well I don't have any time to go shopping this afternoon. So I'll just pop into a supermarket and I have more time. And so I can order the cheese from my favorite cheesemakers up in the mountains. And I can go to this one butcher that I really like because I know where he gets the meat. And I can go to these, you know, kind of slowing down for me has been this amazing experience to think about where I'm spending my money, how I'm spending my money, and then thinking forward to going back to travel, having that intentionality kind of expand out from this experience I think is going to be really important. How about your business right now? Of course, there hasn't been any food tours happening. What does the future of your business look like? Are you booking tours for the future yet? For those that are listening and are thinking, I need to book a tour with her. Well, I would love to. One of the things that happened kind of right off the bat, I had a, a ton of tours booked for um, spring. 
And so a lot of the folks who had booked the tours asked if they could just postpone their trip, which was an extremely heartwarming kind of vote of confidence and commitment to my business and to Spain in general. So I have booked a lot of gift certificates for kind of open-ended tours whenever this is over. I would love to get back to doing tours whenever that's possible. And you know, if that means July, but we will be accepting visitors in Spain Mm -hmm. in July. If that's July, great. If that's September, great. If that's January, fantastic. And if it's not till next summer, then that's what it has to be. I want to support the businesses in my neighborhood that I take folks to the best that I can. My business right now has shifted to a holding pattern. So I've been trying to use my social media community to promote kind of takeaway in the businesses that I work with on my tours, telling more stories about food and wine here in Spain so people can get their little Spain fix. Of course, doing tons of cooking that I've been sharing with people and just trying to like nurture the community and the customers that I've worked with and let people know when Spain is ready to open, we're ready to take you out to eat and drink. Actually, this week, we've only just gone into phase one. So a lot of people are enjoying going to the terrazas. And it's just been so nice to see people sitting down and talking together again. It looks weird, but also almost like nothing happened. Yeah, no, this whole phases of the gradual reopening of Spain that they've divided into these different phases. It's going to be interesting to see. I went to have a drink on Monday night, the first night terraces were were open the little outdoor cafes. It was really wonderful to be outside. Although I hadn't really been drinking in confinement. And so I had one glass of wine and I was very <laughs> drunk getting home. I was like, we're just going to keep this up all summer. So that's a fun sidebar on confinement, but it does seem really positive that things are opening up and it's so far it looks like people are staying healthy and following the rules and we'll see what the next phase opens yeah, up. No, I'm excited for it. I think a lot of people are very eager for us to get back to whatever the new normal is. And that takes me on to my next question. How do you see the future of eating out in Madrid? We're such a sociable culture that kind of sits out on terraces for hours sharing plates with Mm -hmm. people. How do you see the eating out culture going forward? It's so hard to speculate. In my heart, what I think is going to happen is that things are going to go back to as they were, but just a little bit farther away from each other. I mean, having lived in Spain for so long, running into people now on the street, I mean, there's so many of my friends who live in the neighborhood, like running into people now and not being able to give people kisses. It's like, it almost physically hurts to be like kept away Mm -hmm. from people. And so I imagine that that's a feeling that many of us are going to have. I think that eating out in the future in Madrid is going to be eating out as it was. My great hope is that the small, businesses, the family-run businesses, the traditional businesses are able to weather the storm. I think that that could be the worst possible outcome is that so many businesses have to close because of this. And I, I just hope with all of my heart that that's not what happens. And I think that little by little, there'll be able to be fewer people in the restaurants, but we'll just have to go drink more, I guess, <laughs> to do our bit. And I think that eventually things will go back to to as they've always been. People going out for exactly as you said, extra long lunches, having drinks in the evenings on in an outdoor cafe in the summers, smushing into crowded bars in the winter once this is over. And until then, kind of doing our best to keep each other safe and healthy. But I mean, my great hope is that it will be as it was. I also feel the same. And that's what I hope. As much as I've spoken to a lot of people about this and people have very different opinions, I do think that once places can open with restrictions, people are going to go back to their favorite places. People love to eat out. It's very affordable to eat out here. I do have some ideas of how things may change, which could be for the better, is that a lot of places in Madrid, not in the city center, but kind of out a little bit, only open for a certain amount of hours with their kitchen. 
So I'm wondering now, mm-hmm. with the restrictions of the amount of people that they can have on their terraza or inside, they may increase the amount of hours their kitchen is open so that people can eat earlier or later, which for me, I struggle sometimes to eat in the lunchtime hours. So that might be a benefit in that they can still get the same amount of customers over a longer period of time and people can eat at different times maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think that that's one of the things that is kind of the blessing and the curse about Spain is we do have such a stable eating culture. And so I don't know if you're going to get folks in Spain to eat lunch at 1230, you know. And so I think that that's going to continue to be one of the problems. While Madrid is changing so much and it is this, you know, vibrant, modern city, we still do. And that's what makes it a wonderful city is that we have this very traditional connection to food and eating and sharing meals. And so I see that as being kind of both the best part and what could be mm-hmm. difficult because I, I don't know if people will eat earlier or later. And I don't know if that not an option to squish in as many people as possible because, you know, we always joke like the best bars in Madrid, the bars <laughs> that looks like physically no more people can get into, but then 15 more people push in. So I think it's going to be really hard for people to not be in a smushed bar. But eventually we'll figure something out with all of this. And I think like you, I think that as soon as people are able to get back into places, they will open back up and we'll just need to do our best to support local businesses and to be responsible about where we go and what we buy so that we can preserve these amazing places in Madrid that have just been here for generations. I agree. There's so many places in Madrid, so many little family run places that if you don't walk down the small streets, you will never actually find them. And that's one of the reasons why the community is so important because a lot of the time you are hungry and as you say you walk into the first place or as far as you could walk until you just can't take it anymore and you're hangry and sometimes you do end up eating in a place that's not great and really life is too short to be eating terrible food (laughs) no meal should be wasted yeah exactly no meals and no money should be wasted that's why (laughs) the community is so important now you mentioned about malasagna what is it about malasagna that you just love to live there, to explore, and to take customers and clients on your tours. So Malasania is an amazing neighborhood. Just to give a little picture for folks who don't live here in Madrid, Madrid is, again, a giant city, the third largest city in Europe. But our city is broken into these neighborhoods and then within the neighborhoods, micro-neighborhoods. And oftentimes the neighborhoods are called something that isn't even on the map. So Malasania is on no map. It's the name that was given to the neighborhood based on one of the main streets, which is called Manuela Malasania. Manuela Malasania was a teenage girl war hero from the early 19th century when Spain kicked back the French from an invasion here in Spain. And kind of since the beginning of the 19th century, Malasagna has been this neighborhood of the vanguard of the cutting edge of what's going to happen in the future of Spain and the future of Madrid happening right here. And it has this infectious, intense, pulsing energy. The Movida Madrileña, the movement after Franco the dictator died in the 1970s, the movement of art and music and culture and movies that exploded and essentially pushed into the 20th century was born here on the streets of Malasagna. I don't know, from the first day that I came here, back in 2007 with some friends who were like, oh, you've got to see this neighborhood. I was like, this place has something. And it has the tradition. It has the new little shops and bars, but it also has all of the beautiful buildings with that classic Madrid pastel stucco and wrought iron balconies and the flowers kind of cascading off of those beautiful balconies and the tiny little bars and then the brand new bars. And it's that mix of the old and the new that just loves so much about Madrid and particularly this neighborhood. And so that, I mean, this, this is where I live and I love it. And I live actually in 
the Conde Duque side. So Malasaña has the little micro pockets and the Conde Duque part of Malasaña is a wonderful neighborhood that just has these beautiful old little streets and wonderful little bars and restaurants, little shops. And it, you know, my friends and I who live in the neighborhood, we joke that it's the Pueblo de Conde Duque, the little town of Conde Duque. Because you just walk down the street and particularly from having lived here for so long and running my business here, you know, I just walk in and see people I know and walk down the street and always run into people I know on the tours. And it feels, as you know, you know, we don't live in the country that we grew up in. And so to have that sense of community that comes around you is really something special. And I totally found that in this neighborhood. I must admit, I I have not really explored Madrid as much as you have. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that Madrid, even though it's a small city, it just has so many different little areas that unless you physically go on a tour or you take the time, Mm -hmm. which I don't, to go out and really kind of get to know the area, you end up missing so much which is why it's so important to go on tours like food tours with you to really learn about Mm -hmm. all these places and the stories that you don't have to do yourself. You don't have to research for hours before your trip. You can go with someone who really knows what they're talking about, who had got relationships with bars and restaurants that can really give you a great experience that's something that you just couldn't replicate yourself, which is what I love. And again, supporting local businesses as well. Well, Valentina, you're just going to have to come and explore Malasania with me whenever you I want. Will. As soon as things are open, we'll do a little Let's walk do around. that because a little tapas we've and been inside yeah. way too long now. <laughs> yeah, much too I long. I need to walk. And so I'm sure a lot of people listening <laughs> will agree, like your movement during this time being inside has been almost next to nothing for me. I've not really been moving apart from going to the different rooms in my house. And, you know, you get rusty. I used to live in Abu Dhabi before in the United Arab Emirates, and we didn't walk Uh much when we were there. I moved to Madrid, Mm -hmm. and in the first week, I was like, I can't walk anymore because it's just such a walkable city. And that's what I love is that you can walk almost Uh everywhere if you've got the time. The transport here is just incredible as well. Metro buses and all sorts of different ways to get around, which which I love. Now let's talk about you being in Madrid or in Spain for mm-hmm. quite a number of years. What kind of food and drink industry trends have you seen pop up and come and go as you've been here? Well, I think the most important thing that I've seen is the arrival of international cuisine. And what I mean is the foods of the world have hit Madrid. When I first came to Spain back in 2000 and I was in Granada, I remember I just, you know, I loved the food. I loved learning about the tortilla de patata, the, the Spanish omelet with the potatoes, and going for menu del día, that set lunch menu, and, you know, eating the gazpacho. But sometimes I craved different flavors. And I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So, you know, as a kid, we would go to ramen restaurants, we go to different Chinese restaurants, and we would go to Ethiopian restaurants. And there was all of these different places where you could have different flavors. And so I really missed that, particularly when I first came to Spain back 20 years ago. And then even the first years that I was here in Madrid, there was just not that many options that weren't traditional Spanish cuisine. And as delicious as traditional Spanish cuisine is, it is fun to have some different bites now and again. And so I've really just seen kind of that explosion of the foods of the world hitting Spain, which is really, it's really exciting. And then also 
the wonderful part about that is it gives younger chefs the opportunity to try new things. And so you have a city like Madrid that has these incredible options of the foods of the world, plus the very traditional Spanish cuisine, plus something in between where you have young chefs who are experimenting, who've traveled and who come back and want to incorporate different flavors into their tapas menus or folks who come from other countries and who arrive in Spain and want to share the foods of where they're from. And so you have now amazing Venezuelan food, the beautiful you have delicious Chinese food, uh, particularly in the next neighborhood over here in Plaza España. You have great food from China, from folks who have come from China all through South America, um, people bringing their cuisine with them as the, the, you know, the language of food that people really connect with. And that's been really amazing to see that hit in the time that I've been here in Madrid. Yeah, no, there's just so much choice. It's almost too difficult. And even now when we're about to go out again, it's still going to be a massive choice and where to go. But do you have any favorite places that you like to eat out? I know that may be a difficult question. <laughs> it is a difficult question, but I do love answering it. And, you know, I think what I'm going to want to do most once we're able to get back out there is I love eating in the markets. There's all of the wonderful municipal city markets here that have the traditional fruit and vegetable and meat and cheese stands, but then also have these little restaurants. And I love Mercado Mostenses near Plaza España and going to all of the wonderful, there's like a great Ecuadorian restaurant, beautiful little Spanish cafeterias that have the little botellinas, the mini beers. I love Mercado Tirso Molina just on the other side of the river in Puerto de Angel. There's all the like great stands there. And it's so fun because you get to go with your friends and someone wants paella and someone wants boquerones, the little anchovies, and someone wants tacos and someone wants sandwiches. And you can have everything. And I'm just dying to be back in the market with a beer in my hand and, you know, seven friends all screaming at me to tell me what their week was like and not being able to hear anything, but just getting to enjoy that kind of spirit of the Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon is, I'm, I'm just, I'm desperate for it. So I can't That's wait for that. That's very true. Back. And I actually forget how many markets are in Madrid and you could spend days oh, yeah. just going from market to market because a lot of people go to oh, yeah. the very popular market San Miguel which I, I love I love the way it looks but it is very touristy and also there's these markets that you wouldn't even know existed you could walk down the street and you almost walk past it without knowing what's inside yeah, there are so many markets in Madrid and some of them have the big showy facades like obviously Mercado San Miguel or even Mercado de la Paz in Barrio Salamanca, the beautiful market in the area near the Retiro Park. But there's tons of them that are even like in the basements of other buildings or have kind of unassuming facades or ones that look like, oh, I don't know how great that's going to be. And you walk in and they're enormous. Or there's all of these like amazing hidden treasures or markets that were remodeled a couple of years ago with the help of supermarket chains. They have a supermarket chain in the ground floor and then up above there's 10 little stands selling super fresh fish and really great cheese. And then a couple of little restaurants. And it's these whole magical little worlds of kind of neighborhood eating in all the different parts of the city. And they're really amazing places. And I love them. I, you know, I never get tired of going to the markets. And I organize different events, you know, just with my friends. Or we'll be like, oh, we're going to go to the market in the Prosperidad neighborhood. Or we're going to go to the market over in Mercado de Maravillas up in the Cuatro Caminos neighborhood. And really try and explore those markets. And it's just, it's so fun. And the greatest part about what happened with Mercado 
San Miguel being one of those beautiful old brick market structures that was bought by some investors and then they rehabbed it and turned it essentially into a tapas market. So you can go and you can eat in the market. And the knock-on effect of that, of people realizing that you could have prepared food and little bars in these markets gave the markets this whole new life. And so all of these different local markets have taken that on. And it's really, it makes for just such fun daytime eating. I, I just love it. You can go around the world in one night in a market. Yeah. And then depending on the market that you're in, you can go around the world. Or if you're in a kind of more traditional local market, you can have from around Spain, or you can buy your ham to make your beautiful sandwiches at home and then have a little drink, talk to the folks who work at the fish stand and then go to another place and have your snacks there. And there's just so many wonderful things. And I will send you a list of my favorite markets and where to eat yes, in those markets. Please do. Now, before we wrap up today, for those that are listening and that want to find more information out about your tours, where can they get in touch with you? My food tour business is called Walk and Eat Spain. My website is walkandeatspain.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Walk and Eat Spain. Facebook, Walk and Eat Spain. And right now, my Instagram is all food all the time. I have been cooking up a storm. I've been going to my local market. Manolo the fish guy has kept me in delicious fish, like even better than normal because it's not going to the restaurant. Jesus debones my chickens for me. And I share my stories with the folks in the markets and little food stands in my neighborhood and then everything I'm cooking. So it's been, that part's been really fun about this whole crazy experience that we've all lived, just that I've had more time at home and I've just been cooking, cooking, cooking. So you can find me on my website, on social media. Uh, if you have questions about Madrid, I love giving recommendations. So if you want to know about Madrid, so you can send me a message on any of those platforms and I'll send you some ideas. And I just really hope that we're all able to be together soon and toast a beautiful glass of wine and get to be yes, together. Yes, definitely. I cannot wait. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited about getting all these recommendations and planning my days for when we can go out and just explore again and really support local businesses. Thank you so much, Valentina. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode and all of the episodes in season one. We will be back very soon with more conversations with community members as we continue to learn more about eating out. In the meantime, if you are not already part of our communities on Facebook, feel free to join us at facebook.com forward slash eatoutglobal, where you'll find all the links to the six different groups we have in Spain to connect with other food lovers and share your favorite places to eat and drink in these cities. Speaking of which, I'm getting hungry, so I will see you next time.